0: can't really sing hello
1: and welcome to the sbny podcast my name is peter kennedy and i am your host this podcast is on itunes and google play which you can find simply by searching "Sportsblog new york podcast or go to sportsblognewyork.com click on the podcast tab any of those articles will lead you in the right direction Got a few things coming up for the podcast uh, in the near future. We actually do have a presenting sponsor on the way. Not going to reveal exactly who that is yet, banging out the details, get that all figured out, but it's going to be a good thing for us and a good thing for you, because we're going to be hooking you up with some discounts, some really cool products. But again, stay tuned for that in future episodes. Hopefully in the next week or two, we get that all figured out, details and whatnot. And we'll have our first ever presenting, presenting sponsor on the Sports Blog New York podcast. Today on The Bill, we are going to be talking just a little bit about the NFL Draft, as we do have a long-form NFL Draft recap podcast coming later this week, but, you know, me and my co-host for tonight, for this morning, depending how you look at it. We'll go over the Giants' picks, the Jets' pick a little bit, and then talk about what the NFL Draft gets right, and mostly what it gets wrong as a TV product. But also, as usual, we're going to go into the Mets and Yankees, as we are fully fledged in the MLB season at this point. And then we got a little b-ball, because it's the NBA playoffs, a lot of different stuff going on. Second round started off, first round officially ended on Sunday, with my Jazz knocking off the Clippers. Makes me real happy to see my boy Joe Ingles running the show out there for the Utah Jazz, so we'll talk about that as well. But without further ado, I'm going to bring in my co-host, Monday morning, Alec Argento. What's up, bro?
0: Oh, so dudes? How good you on. doing? How
1: are you doing? How's your weekend?
0: Oh, it's good. I got to watch the Yankees one a couple times, and then... As we always record on Sundays, they lost today in uh, a weird, weird game. Uh, or, or yesterday, depending on how you look at it. Yes. Right?
1: The uh, Mets game and the Yankees game on Sunday were both quite bizarre. The Mets got <laughs> weird, absolutely destroyed 25-5 to or something like that. The Yankees were in it, out of it, in it. Definitely showed uh, that no-quit mentality. But well, they ended up losing their extras.
0: Because they left about 30,000 people on base today.
1: Absolutely. I'm pretty sure the number was 16 people like on that. base.
0: yeah. Their base is loaded like five times.
1: That's the type of stuff that the Mets do, yeah. usually, is leave a ton of people well, on base. Well,
0: when, when you score 26 runs over two days, or actually over a 24-hour period, you can live with it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we were talking before the weekend series started for both the Mets and the Yankees. I jokingly said, oh, the Mets are going to sweep the Nats this, this weekend. Because if you make a super ridiculous claim, if you're wrong, you'd be like, oh, I was joking. But if you're right, you look like a genius. And I was almost right. But I think overall, Mets fans, not too shabby, right? Two out of three against the Nats. Yeah, they gained game. Take that in ten the times out of ten.
0: Take one game in the standings.
1: Right, and it's baby steps. We talked about it with this Mets team now. It's baby steps to get back to 500 and reconvene from there. But we're gonna get into baseball and stuff much longer and much more intense intently in a little while. So let's talk about the NFL draft. Sure. Overall, how do you feel about Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday day, TV product on ESPN, NFL Network, whatever you watch it. What, what are your thoughts on the actual NFL draft?
0: I just don't understand why it has to be like this giant extravagant thing. It's 30 people. The only 30 people that you really care about enough to put televised. The first 30 people out there. Just tell me what the picks are. I don't need to watch pick that's in three minutes. You have to wait for them to come up and call it, and then commercial break. And they go to the next pick and blah 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 blah, and then you have all these people who who said they knew where you know they, they did their mock drafts and big boys. I if I found one person in the world that got the first two rounds, just the first two rounds right, I you know even it, the first round right. <laughs> there's not I can't imagine there's one person that guessed exactly how it would go. You can't predict the trades that they made. You can't predict the, the 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 Bears making one of the stupidest trades in ever.
1: One of my one of my coworkers is from Chicago. He is obviously a Bears fan. And I, we were talking about the draft, you know, the day before. All the different possibilities, the quarterbacks, the whole nine. We We're having a nice little draft conversation. And then this absurd trade that no one saw coming with the Bears trading up from three to two, which is still bizarre, <laughs> to get Mitch Trubisky. Basically, they did that because 49ers said they had another person trying to trade to number two. That's how they got so much for it. But anyway, they draft Trubisky. I walk into work, and I see my friend from Chicago. And before I even said a word to him, he goes. I don't know, man. I don't know what I don't know what to say. I didn't know what to say last night, and I, give me some time. <laughs> he was distraught for the next twenty four hours. He was very confused. I
0: just don't understand. Like, if you're a bad team, and the quarterback you're going to draft isn't going to fix your team, continue to be bad. Get other. Assets to your team to help you in the future, and then wait till there's a quarterback that can help your team. Don't reach for nobody. I don't really think there's anybody out there that thinks Mitch Trubisky is going to come out and, and lead a team to a playoffs. He's not even going to play this year. I mean, it's, well,
1: no, they do have Mike Lennon, and, and Mike Lennon is essentially
0: on a one year deal.
1: Pretty much, he's an average. He's an average quarterback. He's at least a decent quarterback. Yeah, he's but not is that great. The guy
0: you want teaching? You know, like I like like what the Giants did with. Uh, with their quarterback pick, I forget his name—Calvin Hobbs or something like that. From Calvin Hobbs, yeah. no Web. Web. Wow, right. Well, I'm thinking of the other guy—the guy from uh, Tennessee, Dobbs. Yeah. yeah. How about? How about? Uh... Uh, never mind. Uh, we'll get. I, I don't want to get into that. But um, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it would not gonna put me in a good light. It was gonna be mean, and then somebody would have got like offended. Boy, we would have got some hate mail. It was something It was some of the Steelers drafted. Um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm gonna leave that one. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, but uh, th- like with the Giants, like you have a guy like Eli who's gonna be comfortable with the. the nobody's gonna be knocking on the door to, to take Eli's job, but he can uh, mentor the guy, and hopefully you have. Uh, Brett Favre Aaron Roger situation, but Eli would probably just retire when he's done.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Eli is not the type of guy you can imagine like saying, "All right, I'm going to retire," and then right. all of a sudden, like the Vikings call him, yeah, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll go play for Minnesota." <laughs> like, no, that is not Eli's uh, vibe. No, absolutely not. <laughs>
0: um, as far as if you want to just touch on what the Giants, say, yeah, that's I what I was going to say.
1: So I tend to kind of agree with you. Uh, this is what it, the actual answer is about the actual the spectacle of the NFL draft. It's about making money. It's about making that extra high TV ratings on Thursday and Friday and a little bit on Saturday. And that's what it's all about. And this industry, the one that we're kind of a part of through doing this podcast right now, right?
0: Do you get media credentials now?
1: Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Right? But uh, it depends on the NFL and it depends on the success of it. The NFL draft to me in my head still says that we don't need what they do. Like We don't need for... Pick number 27 to still be on the board. While pick 30 is on the clock. They had 27, 28, and 29. All the picks were in. And if you're watching on TV, you're still waiting for number 27. It's like... Let's move this thing up. Let's move it a little quicker.
0: But who's really watching? That? I mean, a you know, lot of people
1: are watching. It. I can tell but, but you exactly. Like,
0: but are they watching it or is it on the background? Because like They're Yankees, watching. Yankees, Red Sox was on that night. I'm not watching the draft. I mean, I'll, I'll look at my phone. I'll go on Twitter to see who the Giants picked. I'll wait till I get a notification or something like that.
1: Right. Even but, if, even
0: playoff hockey's on. I mean, I know nobody. Really, I, I don't really. Get I'll it.
1: tell you this though: from adults twenty five to fifty four, which isn't like the number one demographic, but it is for a lot of networks, right? It was number one on ESPN with the most viewers by far. And that's with a number of viewers watching on NFL Network, the same exact thing. So that the draft is put on ESPN and NFL Network. And ESPN still had the highest rated program of the night. And NFL Network was in the top like 12. So obviously people are watching it. And frankly, the people who make these shows don't really care if you have it on in the background or not. Because it's all about the numbers. So uh, that's really it. But I totally agree. It's so overdrawn. so drawn out. When someone gets drafted and, you know, it's nice to see his highlights, but so much of the analysis is kind of tough to really say is groundbreaking or is is super interesting. But it is nice to have somebody who knows about this person better than
0: I do. Give me a little tidbit. So yeah. I appreciate it. It is just blown out of proportion. How about how about Chad Kelly getting taken with the last pick? By the way, that's I think that's a pretty it's a steal. That's a not Mister Irrelevant pick, which right? is also isn't it pretty weird. That's a, that's a messed up. Thing that to they do. Like,
1: they literally write it on the jersey <laughs> for the last pick. Like they put Mister Irrelevant on the back
0: of the jersey and be like. Here's the last pick. He's irrelevant. Like what? I'd be real, I'd be curious to see if that's ever happened. Like, there's actually been someone who's been decent in the NFL. Well, in, I'm not gonna do the research, and so I'm not a nerd, but you know. <laughs> in the NBA, Isaiah Thomas, who's your favorite player? Oh right? yeah, but the, the NBA is like we've said a million times. Yeah, the the there's two rounds in the NBA. There's 15 spots on you know on an NBA. Roster, those players more often than not, they're gonna get their minutes and prove their worth. If you're if you're the last pick in the draft, or not prove their worth, yeah, if ex- that makes right. sense too. If you know. you're la- last pick in the draft, there's 53 players. You got there's a million cuts in in uh, during OTAs and stuff like that. Usually that player doesn't make the team. Absolutely. So yeah, Chad no, he's a good player.
1: <laughs> Chad Kelly, uh, tidbit and sick brag. I played against Chad Kelly twice in, really? in high school. Yeah, I didn't know that. So yeah, he go but, to school. He went to St Joe's Collegiate in Buffalo. It was a high school. He Fun fact about Chad Kelly, he played for Ole Miss, if you don't know who he is, drafted by the Broncos with what we're talking about, Mr. Relevant, last pick of the draft. He didn't play quarterback until maybe his sophomore year of high school. Uh, he was like a safety or something, and he's a freak athlete. He, when, I, when I saw him in high school, granted I didn't play directly against him because I played offense and so did he, he was 6'4", strongest, like big, biggest, most legit looking kid on the field even compared to you know some D1 lineman on the field too runs, ran faster than anybody else, he was overthrowing his receivers because he was just clearly so much better than them. That was him in high school, obviously, and then he went up to the next level. He won two games against Alabama. You know, he had some off-the-field issues, which is why he dropped so far. But for the Broncos, they're saying, this pick is literally called Mr. Irrelevant. We might have a a steal. We might have some quarterback out of the blue that's going to be just got for nothing. He
0: was on that Netflix show, right? Uh, Last Chance U or whatever it was?
1: Possibly. I didn't watch it, but I heard about that.
0: Yeah, it was like a, whatever. Uh, continue on, though. We don't need to get into that.
1: Yeah, so that was pretty interesting, Chad Kelly. So, yeah, I played against him two years, beat him once, then he beat us.
0: Quick hits, though. Giants-Jets first round pick. Do you do you How do you feel about uh, about the picks?
1: As a Giants fan, I can't think of reasons why I should be mad about this pick, right? So, all of leading up to the draft, I was leading to Njoku, David Njoku from Miami, that tight end. And then we get to our pick. Njoku's on the board. I feel pretty good about it. I've been seeing that the Giants are interested in him. They go with Evan Ingram. This is my opinion. I scouted Njoku and Ingram. Not scouted. I looked at <laughs> Njoku and Ingram. I like Njoku better. I'm going to trust the Giants. I'm going to say the Giants do this for a living. They like Ingram. Let's do it. They you know it, what I
0: mean? They did it with Eli Apple last year. I mean, exactly. Like, they did
1: it with Eli Apple last but year. But at
0: the same time, Eli Apple doesn't work on that team unless they have the defense around <laughs> him to let him You know, be allowed to make a little bit of, of some mistakes out Oh, there. yeah,
1: sure. I mean, Evan Ingram is you know big, big fan. Big frame. He's not
0: got a faster forty time than, than Odell did.
1: Yeah, he's not specifically uh, like physically enforced. Like he's not gonna be an impact blocker by any means. That's the problem. But though. he's gonna be a big target in the red zone, which is where we really struggled last year. And he's dynamic to be next to Odell, Brandon Marshall, and Sterling Shepherd, and Shane Vereen in the field. That's a dynamic no, lineup. See that's,
0: see, that's where my problem with it is. Like, I, I love the player. He's super fast. He's gonna be. He's he's gonna have a good year. He's gonna be great inside the numbers. Uh, but the problem is, it, it, it might be a too many miles defeat, but there's no one doesn't doesn't solve the issue of, of Eli having no time to throw the ball. It doesn't take any pressure off him at all. Like if you took someone like OJ Howard, and, and I was saying to Pete before, Jerry Reese never trades up in the first round. He's never done it before. I think he traded up once outside of it to get Landon Collins, um, which was great. And if if that's your only time you've done it and it worked out that well, maybe you should do it a little bit more. But for all intents and for for all all it seems is that L. J. Howard was their guy and they refused to trade up and this is what happens with the Giants when people trade up in front of them when they think that a guy's going to fall to them because the you know they end up taking their third or fourth pick that they wanted because um, they just refuse to trade up so then I, I I don't think he's a bad player but he's not a tight end he's a wide receiver he's getting comps to like Mike Evans. Food. Uh, he's getting comps to Mike Evans. Yeah. I saw Jordan Reed and a lot of Aaron Hernandez, which is not really a good thing to get. No, that's absolutely in a good thing. You don't want to see. Okay, you, I, I understand the <laughs> positives. You don't want to get those two names associated with each other. You know Jordan what? Reed? Oh, obviously not Jordan Reed, Pete.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Aaron, yeah, obviously for other reasons, Aaron Hernandez is not the best comparison. The guy was a stud on the field, and Jordan Reed's also said I don't know. I feel, this is my opinion, and let's move on to the Jets and then move on to the rest of the stuff of the pod today. I'm not mad about it and I don't think there's a lot of reasons to be mad about it. It's the type of thing where eh, maybe he could have went this way, could have went that way. We got a really athletic player playmaker, guy who can catch the ball for Eli and we've seen what he's done with big targets. So hopefully he can do something with this guy. Evan is a freak athlete. Let's hope for the best. Let's
0: just hope Eric Flowers can, you know, protect his blind side for a player too.
1: And unfortunately, it was a weak O-line draft. So, yeah, I get why that. reach on an O-lineman if you don't like any of those guys?
0: Well, then trade down or something. I don't know. You can, there's there's things you could do to get the guy you want without sacrifice. If you're just going to get a guy for the sake of getting a guy, it doesn't really help.
1: Well, maybe they like him. Maybe he they was got, maybe two or three on their board. You they,
0: know, they don't really. They have, I don't know. I, I'm I'm happy they got a, they got a, ta- uh, a defensive tackle in the second round that I'm happy with because Tankins um, Hankins is is low key was was extremely important in that team that team last year. I would say. Uh, outside of the leadership factor, he's probably just as good uh, as, as Snacks protecting the Isn't the Snacks the best? Like, isn't Snacks. he just the most likable guy of all time? He was so <laughs> likable that the Jets locker room fell apart when he left. So talk about the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> <Good> segway.
1: Segway. <laughs> right, this is the Sports Blog New York podcast. Uh, let's talk about the Jets pick, though, real quick. If you're a Jets fan, there ain't no reason for you to be mad about this pick. Jamal Adams is a safety, and safeties don't often get picked this high. But he was so well-touted by all scouts, by all media. He was looked at as a possible number two pick in the draft, number three pick in the draft. The fact that he was there with number six, all-around safety, hard hitter, Jeff fans, nothing to be upset about. The only thing for you to be upset about is that you have t- ten other needs on your team, and you don't have a quarterback. But that's a good thing,
0: though. I, that's what I was saying before. Is it, what, Instead of doing what the Bears did – if the Jets are committed to, you know, working it out over a long-term period, you're getting assets around them. And then when, you know, if they're going to continue to be bad, they're going to be in a good spot to get a quarterback when the time is right, when there's a deep quarterback draft.
1: Absolutely. So I think the Jamal Adams pick is great. I mean, I didn't specifically watch a lot of LSU this year. Uh, I've heard phenomenal things from this guy. So good for the Jets. And you know what? Overall, I think Giants and Jets did all right in the draft. Definitely not Reason much. Seen that. Yeah, obviously remains to be seen. Not much. To, Three to
0: five years, we'll find out. <laughs>
1: not, not much to be mad about after right. the weekend, right? But like we said, also we're gonna go deep into the NFL draft with a full episode dedicated to the NFL draft coming this week from SBNY. We're gonna have our man, um, our guys from last week's episode. What's up, Alec?
0: Oh no, I was just gonna say I, the one thing I would say that can maybe make the draft a little bit more interesting is use the same time slot you did for the first thirty picks and just cram the second round into there instead of having a commercial break, commercial break after commercial break after commercial break after commercial break. That could actually speed it along, make it a little bit more interesting, and you get more out of that first night. Because I don't really think there's a lot of people watching the second, third rounds uh, and, and so on of the draft the next days. The
1: second, third round, like Friday night does okay. Saturday night's meh. But Saturday day, whatever they do it. But yeah, no, I agree with you. It needs to get quicker. It needs to, in some way, shape, or form, yeah. it needs to move more. Like, something needs to happen yeah. there. Um, but all that's, all, that's all we got on the draft. For now. That's fine. We're going to have Darren Carbone, our guy who was on last week's NFL Draft Preview Show. He'll be back with us this week as well as uh, some others, probably Phil DeMayo, as well as Joe Staubach. So the full NFL Draft Recap Podcast will be coming this week, but we're moving on from that for now. Before we get to baseball though, I want to talk about one thing. You know when you hear a song that you like, maybe it's a band you never heard of, it's kind of unknown. And you really like it. You start to really like this band. But they're unknown, right? You kind of discover
0: them a little bit. Maybe you tell some of your I friends. Hate, I hate where this is going. I know where this is going and I hate it. <laughs>
1: you know, but... Like, I
0: know exactly what team you're going to talk about.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. So, you tell your friends, they like it. And then all of a sudden, you're hearing this song on the radio, like, every single day. And pisses you off. You're like, no, this is my song. I liked it for so much longer. It, like, it gets frustrating, right? Sure, Pete. <laughs> so, I've been on Twitter this whole NBA playoffs... And Joe Ingles is getting so much love on Twitter. It's, it's unreal. Bo, Bojangles, Joe Ingles is the new Steph Curry. Like, I've been seeing, like, joke shit like that. And I've been trying to say that this guy is a beast for, for years. He does everything. He shoots third best three point percentage in the league. He plays defense. He's 6'8. He he's looks out of shape and he's Australian. Like, what's not to love about this guy? Now everyone's on his back. Personal rant for me there.
0: Yeah, why don't you go move to Williamsburg with all the other hipsters? You know, I knew, <laughs> knew this band before it was cool. Yeah. Oh my god, I know you're. I know you're like that too. I don't care about the jazz. I don't. I don't I'm never <laughs> up in time to watch any of the jazz games. Well, stay up later. No. <laughs> Come on. There's better things I could do with my life, like watch the Yankees or something like that, and then you know, or watch West Coast baseball, or watch the leftovers. Oh, Sunday nights. Have you ever watched uh, Sunday night programming on HBO? It's spectacular. Spectacular! <laughs> That's a little I love you, man. Reference for you. Great
1: movie. <laughs> That's all I was gonna say. I mean, so we got the second round real quick. Um, almost all chalk in the NBA playoffs. So the only upset—I use air quotes there—was the five Jazz over the four. But other than that, it's uh, the ones yeah. all one, the twos all one, the threes all won, the fours all one. I mean, yeah, the fours all one. So as most people criticize the NBA, it kind of happened again where the best team won. But to me, it's not always the bad thing when the best team wins. Yeah, I know
0: you hate so, upsets. You hate, I don't hate upsets. No, you totally hate upsets. I think <laughs> when the best team wins, there's nothing wrong if the best team wins, right? I I, I guess I don't know. It's fun to see the team that wasn't that had no nobody had any had them going anywhere to oh, win. Oh, absolutely, I agree with that. But and as long as they're not like if they can compete the entire way through, like. Uh, I don't know I'm thinking someone in the tournament this year that they went pretty deep they competed all the way through it wasn't you know they were continuing to beat teams that were good right. as long as you, if you if you get you know it was an upset and then you get destroyed in the second round that's one thing but if you, you no know, these are all professional basketball players they should be able to step up to the plate um I guess I'm mixing my sports uh, analogies but step, <laughs> up, step up when when you need to in the playoffs and do something I mean it's an individual contributing sport it's you can take over the game if you decide to and you can take advantage of lazy people who have been there before um, you know. What I will say about the NBA playoffs, and this is just a... And the, the Bulls almost... Be, if it wasn't for Rondo getting hurt, the Bulls would have beat the... the, the
1: it really did the look Celtics. like that. It did look like that. And this is what I was going to bring up. Uh, when you watch the NBA playoffs, there's one thing that you notice. It means more than you think when you have players who know how to play basketball. Like oh, really? old, older... God. G- right? Isn't, wow, it, isn't it bizarre? It's like all these teams in the NBA who are stacked with young talent who can't win more than 30 games... Like the Timberwolves, so like they don't know how to win yet, right? And then the you watchers who will just continue to be bad until they get someone who has any absolutely. experience in the league. And then you watch like uh, Joe Johnson. I uh, keep. I'm not even trying to bring up Jazz at this point, but you watch you, like Joe Johnson. You, enjoy the you watch the Rockets with Nene, who scored twenty eight points and didn't miss a shot in a game. Yeah, but Nene's Nene, never really had
0: like. Playoff success? Has he?
1: I'm just saying, you got these old guys in the playoffs who just kind of know what to do, mm-hmm. and it goes such a long way. Because then you see a young guy out there running with his head off. I don't know. There's plenty. There's
0: plenty of old guys on on the Bulls. and They didn't win anything. Plenty of old guy <laughs>
1: on the Knicks <laughs> for years, and we haven't won. Yeah, anything. In a I,
0: while. I don't know. I, I I think it's exciting when you get to see a younger guy who's just maybe not in the prime of his career. Still, like, still, you know, twenty four, twenty five or so, and is is getting there and. That's, that's exciting. I don't, I don't think you necessarily need to have a bunch of 19-year-olds out there. it's right. You want to see the younger guys who are more explosive. Uh, I mean, you could have a LeBron out there who's still explosive. Who's, you know. But it is fun to see
1: also what, what you're talking about with the younger guys. Say maybe all year they're getting only 10 minutes a game. They're getting, you know, playing here, playing there. Then by the time playoffs comes around, they get in this groove. And they're I mean, fresh like,
0: because they have the fresh legs. If you're
1: watching Terry Rozier for the Celtics uh, against the Wizards, guy was all over the court. And he didn't even really play too much during the year. And he's earned his spot in the playoffs. So it is pretty cool when a young guy's figuring it out over the year. And the playoff comes, he's ready to make an impact. Also, off that, Isaiah Thomas lost a tooth. Rest in peace. He lost to his tooth? Oh, I shouldn't have said that. That was
0: horrible to that.
1: I know you I didn't mean that, I didn't though. mean
0: that. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, his tooth, though. Let's talk about his tooth. I was just like, rest in peace to that tooth. I was just going to say, he looks like more of a child than he already did. Uh, also... Toothberry's gonna come for, for IT? <laughs> I, I hate so. IT so much. Wish he lost all those teeth. Um, <laughs> I most, was thinking about watching
1: today. If he didn't wear a headband, he would literally look like a five-year-old on yeah. the court. Like, <laughs> it is hilarious. He looks like a child. The but no, he would look like his. a
0: five-year-old off the court, too. Like, well, yeah. He, it's not just because he's, like, like, around seven foot people. He's, like, five foot nothing. Like, he's 5'9". He's like, yeah. I have five inches on him. Sick brag. I'm six-two. Yeah. cool. <laughs> Will be. He's listed at five nine. He's shorter than five nine. That's like like uh, Ronald Turre is being listed at five nine. He's like five four. <laughs> to Ronald Torreyes is tiny. So let's guy. use that as a segue. So
1: NBA playoffs still going on. on round two is underway. Uh, so we'll keep up with that. And once we get some good storylines brewing, we'll definitely dive deeper into the NBA playoffs. NBA draft ain't too far away as well. This is Sports Blog New York podcast. My name is Peter Kennedy. I'm joined here with Alec Argento. Sup? If you like what you've been hearing on the SBNY podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and Google Play. Leave a little rating and review. Give us five stars because we're really cool, and tell your friends. And more importantly, because we really enjoy doing this. And if you enjoy,
0: enjoy listening to it, share the sugar, spread the wealth. You know what I mean? <laughs> Why don't you uh, like and subscribe and make some uh, some some reviews there, and I'll review you. Oh yeah review the podcast we review you that's how it works here you does anybody do that so please do that <laughs> I haven't checked
1: actually so no. they could, could be up there I'll pull it up see if we got any new ones uh, up there because I don't think iTunes puts them up all the time like it's kind of like a weird system they have going okay. but anyway Sports Blog New York Podcast hopefully you're enjoying the show well,
0: you can also go to your local Apple store and go to all of the iPhones and iPads there and then leave a review for us on those <laughs> make a bunch of new usernames <laughs> actually we can just do that about ourselves technically right <laughs> I don't think
1: anybody will find out. Nobody would find out. But we're going to get into the Yankees and the Mets who like most expected are at wait, there's a there's actually a real point. Like most expected, they're at different points. Like they're at def- very different places as franchises right now.
0: Yep.
1: You know, one's doing really good, one's exciting. doing not so good. Yeah. One's exciting and not injured, one's it's really injured. But it's just a little opposite than what most people were predicting early on before the season started.
0: So the Yankees have the best record in baseball right now. Can I do an opposite thing but for a rant? Yeah. Uh, I want to rant about the Mets and how infuriating it is that their upper management just continues to roll these players out there when they're obviously hurt and then get get flabbergasted when they can, they have long-term injuries because they just keep rolling them out when they're not ready to go. Syndergaard looks like he's out for an extended period of time now. Suspettis uh, is hurt for for a while now. Just... As much as I hate Binder Joe, um, sometimes when he gives when you give those uh, players a day off, like Chase Headley said it the other day, he's they were like questioning why he was getting the day off. He's like, no, he was right to do that. You play, you get those regular off days. You're more efficient each of those days that you go. You shouldn't let the player dictate whether or not they should be out there. It's nice to see it. You like to see the tenacity and the and the, the you know the desire to win and everything and take it in their own hands. But if they're hurt. And you're not a doctor, you know, like with, do what your doctors are telling you. And I can't imagine like, it's become a pattern to to the point where you have to blame the Mets, blame Terry Collins, blame uh, the, the Sandy Alderson or whoever is in charge of these decisions. You can't keep rolling these guys out because every time you do it, they get hurt for long periods of time, and especially someone like Syndergaard, who's throwing 105 miles an hour out there you and, and throwing 92 mile an hour sliders there's a reason nobody else is doing that like there's other people that can do that or who have done it yeah. for a period of time. Yeah and they don't do it on purpose because you're the human body's not made to do that. You know, Verlander still is able to, 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 to still dial it up now because he's handled it well. You know, he he's he's been managed the, correctly throughout his career. You can't you can't,
1: and, it, Wait, how about the most bizarre part of the Syndergaard injury right now? He denied getting an MRI. They asked him to do an MRI and he's like no, I don't want to get an MRI. I know he, nothing's wrong.
0: Because he's paying, because he's pl- he, as a player as, and as a businessman, is trying to maximize his value for a contract. So he's going to go out there and get the innings, play through pain, so that some other team can get saddled with an Albal Trust contract. Because it doesn't matter to him. He's getting paid. You know, it's guaranteed money in baseball. So he's not going to, if he goes and gets an MRI and finds out something bad, he, he right now he's poised to make, you know, say a thirty million dollar contract over he's young still, so like an eight year, thirty million dollar a year contract. He's not gonna get that if he goes and finds out that there's inflammation in his elbow and he needs Tommy John. Or he's got a little tear here, a little something there.
1: And hey, you can it, play it, through uh,
0: tears and everything, but you you don't you get those, those MRIs and you get the worst news, your career might be over. You know, in, in, in five minutes. Let's hope that's not the case. No, well you, you <laughs> should you should hope that the Mets force him to go do his do what he's supposed to do.
1: Right. They don't they don't have the right to physically force him. Like they can't say like you have to do this in the P in the But they they, they can they
0: can never they but can they can continue the to bench him But they continue to bench him and not, not play him. That's right. well within their rights to do that.
1: Say we don't think you're like good enough ready enough to pitch. You're not healthy enough to pitch right now. I'll get this MRI, we gotta see what's going on. It's just really bizarre and like what I know professional pride and being a warrior, quote-unquote, again, is out on the field, being in the field of battle, is really important to some players, and Syndergaard takes it really serious to be looked at as a tough guy, a guy who can play through injuries. You have to reach the point of being just a little smart and not pushing yourself to the brink when, you know, your team doctors are saying, we should probably do an MRI to check this out. Like, it's ridiculous.
0: You want to win, the best way to put your team in a position of winning is allowing you to go out there for as long a period of time and do your thing. That doesn't mean force your way and get hurt. It doesn't mean go eight innings one night because you can do it. If it means you can't go down the stretch at the end of the year. Right. And if, you're, you're
1: if you're not going to be able to pitch five the next start. You know what I mean? Exactly. So but It is a really tough place. Um, I'm just happy Harvey has been mostly healthy. He hasn't been doing great. He just got pushed but back. Though, didn't I, think he? He... I didn't really
0: see what happened. Didn't he get pushed back a start? Like uh, last, last start? No, he? well, he got moved up first. Okay, he got moved up. Okay.
1: To fill in for Syndergaard. but you know he's pitching kind of all right. You know he, I think he's going to take some time to get into a rhythm, so I'm not too worried there. Degrom, he's Degrom. He's doing fine. We're, what my problem is still is this offense. But what I said to you last week, who needed to play every day? Uh, Conforto. Conforto, and he has he's been, been bombs. He's been in the lineup, and the dude is a dynamic player. And the more and more I watch the Mets, and the more and more I look at their lineup, they lack dynamic hitters. All over the place. Right, one
0: dimensional guys they have all
1: over Even the if you place. look at his Drubal Cabrera, he's the type of guy who, if I told you he's hitting 275, you're like, wow, that's awesome. He's hitting 275. Because he's kind of like a 250, 25 home run guy at this point. Because he doesn't really move well after he hits the ball. And he's kind of swinging for, with lift. He's trying to lift the ball at this point in his career. Same with Jay Bruce. Same with Duda. And Confortos is a guy who I see hitting gap to gap, getting singles, getting doubles, hitting occasional home runs. And actually being a table setter for this team who has zero table setters. Because it's tough to watch this team sometimes. Uh, but hit, at least. Well, at least Jose Reyes has been good. <laughs> He's been slowly but surely having a good game here and there. But he has been terrible this year. Do you think they're going to pull the trigger and pull up this young guy, Ahmed Rosario? They got it. They, gotta they got the it, turn. right?
0: But, but, so how would they, they'd have to shift everyone because Rosario can't play third, right? He can play he... second? maybe a little bit of short. I think he's a shortstop by trade, is it? Yeah. Second I know he's been playing second a yeah. lot. Probably short and second, but uh, if you're going to bring him up to play third, that might be a little tricky. I mean, he's not ready. To That's third base. I know the, the the you know, the popular thing to do is if you have a good shortstop prospect, you can kind of transition him all over the field. But you have to do that in the minors. You can't really just throw a guy from the minors into third base over here. I don't know. Can they? Can they switch? Can as Drupal play over there? Can uh, as uh, ain't moving from shortstop. He he's too short-handed at shortstop to move him. Yeah, but Rosario's is for his defense, not his offense. He's been hitting like crazy, but that's not even his calling card. His calling card is his feeling. Yeah. His I mean, listen, if if Alex Rodriguez, who, who is the best shortstop in baseball, can come to the Yankees and be a, a quality short, uh, a, one of the best third basemen there, and go for for Derek Jeter, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, as Drupal Cabrera can move over to third base if, if they, this you know, guy's a youngster, <laughs> yeah, right. They, Especially they since Drupal
1: is like clearly past his physical prime. Right, but,
0: but third base is, is is no easy place to play. The hot corner. It's oh, probably not. It's probably the most difficult place to play if you, in, in terms of some things. I mean, it's it's. I, you look at Chase Headley out there, and he, like I always say, he, like he snares baseballs out there that if I was out there, I'd probably die from 120-mile of velocity uh, uh, ball coming at my face, you know?
1: Oh, uh, uh, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so I think it is kind of,
1: uh, I don't want to say pointless, but it doesn't really make sense to compare the Mets and Yankees. But I think as New Yorkers, it's a really easy thing to do, and it becomes uh, interesting when you think about these di- the dynamics of these two different teams. When I watch the Yankees play, which, you know, I don't watch them as much as the Mets, but I watch them a good amount. Especially this year, I think they're super interesting, which I've been saying Mm -hmm. since well before the season started, the way their lineup just looks and works and runs one to nine is so much more dynamic than the Mets. And that's a testament to how they built the the team and built players
0: around it. We still have all of our... But our farm still in the farm system, right? And <laughs> like, well, I'm just talking about no, what's no, going I'm just on like, right it's now. Exciting!
1: I'm I'm saying it's like, exciting. The Mets put their, all their eggs in in the home run basket. Yeah, and they're hitting more home runs than most teams, and they're scoring way less runs than most teams. You need to be you need to find a happy medium, which the Yankees have actually found.
0: Well, you know what I think is interesting. Um, Joe Girardi's kind of they, they, he's gotten a long leash this this year so far. <clears throat> they're letting him do some Madden esque things. One thing I I actually love that he's been doing with the lineup, he's been structuring it in a way that there's, it's it's broken into threes of, one hitter, two hitter, three hitter, one hitter, two hitter, three hitter, one hitter, two hitter, three hitter. So you're really, you really really don't have any easy outs in the lineup, and I've always wondered why nobody ever did that. Um, you don't necessarily need a cleanup hitter. You need because does once the second inning goes around, if it's if it's you know it's a one two three inning, your your cleanup is batting leadoff anyway so i love the way that he's been structuring it, getting the fast guys to get the table setters on base people are scratching their heads why that why ellsbury is batting cleanup and everything like that for a while uh, for a couple games um but i actually love the way he's been doing it and he gets it's it's really exciting to with this leash that he's been having as much as it can be super frustrating at times like but you know he, he knows what he's doing for the most part um so let's talk about our favorite player Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge. My guy.
1: Where do you like him in the lineup? Cuz I think he's a really weird guy to pinpoint
0: into one spot in the lineup. So where do you like him? I like him in the lower half. Um he I, the problem with him batting in like like the middle lineup is that he hits the ball so hard that he hits into a lot of easy double plays cuz he just grounds it straight to the, you know, to, to the infielder and it goes around the horn. He's actually better when there's, you know, when there's a guy on second or something like that or 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 nobody on base. He'll hit a lot of home runs like that. But I I don't I like him being snuck into the end of the lineup and he, you know, around someone. So you like him in the 7-8 range, maybe? Yeah, I do. I, I, yeah, I mean, he's he's proven he can hit around. He hasn't been higher than, I think today he fifth of the first time uh, this year. But I like him being snuck around. I like Joe playing around with the lineups um, in, term, in terms of, you know, where they're placed within it rather than, certain guys getting, you know, I hate when he does, when he benches the entire starting lineup and puts all the the, the bench players in at once. I hate when he kind of did that today. Um, but uh, I like him sneaking him around and shuffling the lineup every every day. It's not really the same lineup every day. I enjoy that. Mm. It's good. Yeah, no, can't, I, it's hard the game plan. I like
1: that as well. Mm. It is interesting. Well, I do want to ask you another thing about a different Yankee outfielder, and that is Aaron Hicks. So he's a guy who last year Yankee fans basically just said, I'm done with Aaron Hicks. He can't really hit. He's fine in the outfield. I don't want him in the in in the lineup. I need other guys. Like and then they were saying why the hell would Hicks play over Judge? I think that debate is finally over. But now Hicks is showing some life. <laughs> yeah. He's showing some real life
0: because he has a lot of tools. Well, I want to flip him to be honest with you because I, I he's he's proven he did it towards the end of last year when we traded Beltran <clears throat> and we needed him to be the our everyday right fielder. He hits when he gets in the lineup every day. <clears throat> he just needs to be in the lineup every day. So his fourth outfielder role has really been it's you know, they've been playing him a lot. They'll play like seventy to eighty percent of the week and they'll shuffle it around. Um I think they should have Judge play D H more often and give holiday maybe put holiday at first. He he's played some first in his career. Yeah. And then just shuffle it around that way. You, you want to have that, that, that kind of flexibility like the Cubs have. I know I, I keep talking about what Joe Madden does over there. But you want them to be able to play multiple positions so you can shuffle them around. Make sure your best hitters are getting getting at bats. I want Hicks to get more at bats. He's proven he could help the team out. I also want to trade Hicks at the deadline. Like I want to trade Romine at the deadline because their value is up, 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 up. Uh, I, I've heard you talk about this. and I, I'm getting the sense that you want to
1: flip everybody right now. Anyone who has value. You want to flip Ronald Terrell. Like you want to flip Aaron Hicks. You want to flip... Romine, Why wouldn't you? Because you have all these young guys coming up. Wait, it's, Exactly. You're, you you're are literally using these guys to gap the team until these young guys right. are ready. But wait, I have a question for you sure. now. Sure. So you want to flip everybody, and it sounds great in theory because you're going to flip guys who are high value right now. How can you do that if the Yankees are in the first place? Like how can the front it's office – um, What's the word? That I'm looking for. I don't know. Uh, make <laughs> Not this... a psychic, Pete. No, it's uh, rationalized. Sorry, I don't know why it was so hard to think of. Well, how can the front office rationalize trading these guys who are helping you be in first place right now? Is my question.
0: Because it's it's it's, it's you got to think of long term being one step ahead, basically. You, like I said before, we're doing this well with all of our prospects. You need your younger guys to get up eventually. You need you need to figure out how they're going to get into the lineup. I I I like you know Gardner's He had a great day on Saturday. But he's been his on-base percentage has been high, but his, he's, his average has been real low. And you have him for another year or two. I forget how long, much longer after this. But you need to get rid of him eventually. You're not going to get rid of Ellsbury. There's no, nobody's going to take that contract. And there's, you have two of the top outfield prospects in baseball just waiting to get a spot in that lineup. <clears throat> I think eventually Judge is going to get transitioned into our DH who can play the outfield. Uh, although he's been great in the outfield, oh, he looks good out there. He's got a nice arm too. He looks like he's a lot like when he runs because his legs are so high off the ground. He looks like he's not running as fast as he can as he is, but he's 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 really getting through it and and he'll he'll make catches that you need to be six seven to make those catches sometimes. He made one today slash Sunday. I mean, um, yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> Depends how you look at it. Yeah, uh, that you know, Brett Garner's is not going to make even though Brett Garner is a, a Gold Glove left fielder. I mean.
1: That is interesting. So I guess to me, the Yankees can really pull off the we're just one step ahead of everybody if they do what you're saying and it works. It, it really depends. Imagine this situation: flip Torrey, flip Gardner, and then maybe one other guy. You end up flipping whoever it may be, and then you bring up uh, Austin. Is he is he possibly coming up? Tyler Ross?
0: No. Uh, well, for what, what it would be
1: Fra- it would be Fraser probably, right?
0: Fraser would be uh, I want to get for our uh, outfield. So
1: say you you do these little trades, and then you bring up the Frasers of the world. And they struggle, and you go from first place by far to fighting for first place, possibly a wild card. Then the front office looks stupid. But if it works, the front office looks like the Epstein. Well, well, listen,
0: we're not going to make any moves until the trade deadline, right? Until you know, until it's time to see to evaluate what we have. Um, and you know, if, if we're in first place handily in the arguably the most talented division in baseball, um, then you can. You know, you can hold on to your guys. But eventually, these guys have to get up. And eventually, we're at the end of this year, we're also going to be down probably three pitchers. Maybe two. I think Tanaka's going to walk. I think he's going to get paid somewhere. I don't think he's loyal to the team or anything. Sabathi's going to be gone. is going to be gone. is going to get overpaid somewhere. And then we're going to have a hole in our line. We need to be able to flip some of our guys for pitching prospects. That's important. We, have, we don't have enough pitching prospects. We have Justice Sheffield and then... Caprillion's done, probably for his career. He missed mm-hmm. two years of development. He's got Tommy John. He's like 25 years old. That's kind of old to get Tommy John. Well, hey, for the Mets lost much.
1: three pitchers in the middle of the season. I feel yeah, like. but I've said, it, I've
0: said it before, though. That Mets window is a lot shorter than people make it out to be. Oh, absolutely. They they shouldn't have gotten to the World Series the year that they did. Then there was expectations on them the next year where they had to go to the World Series. They didn't. And it's gotten progressively worse and worse. And then I'd be willing to say, I've said it before, if you... you you won't win the World Series in April, but you can definitely lose it. And there's a couple teams that I think have lost it already. I think the Mets have, have taken themselves out of serious contention. You don't think the Mets could come back into the no, ball? I picture. don't. I that's, just, that's ridiculous. I, just, I, I said it, it's not because of the Mets. It's because of that National League team is very top-heavy, and there's not going to be a lot of wiggle room to get into it. You know the Nationals are winning that division. They might have the best team in baseball. Um, How bizarre is that the Mets played all of their games against the NLU so far? It's not too bizarre. I mean, the Yankees have played a ton, ton of games against the a- LA. Yeah, but they have a they've had yeah, a couple. Wait, airs if, being
1: sprinkled in. Yeah, the Mets have played literally every game literally against every the a- game.
0: That's good though, but that but that's representative of what the season's going to be. That's the most representative of how the standings are going to be uh, at the end of the season. And if you can't beat the teams in your division, you don't deserve to be in the playoffs because you know, and I don't know. I just I I think that I think that that team that that Nationals team is leaps and bounds better than anyone else in that division. Um, I think that. The Cubs are the Cubs are going to obviously win the division. The Cardinals look a lot better than people thought they were. They figured they seem to have figured it out and have won As a lot of their the Brewers. Love, yeah. And the Brewers and I I saw I said that the uh, the Rockies I think are going to win their division. You were really high on the Rockies. I have to give you that. Yeah, and the Diamondbacks look great, and uh, you know these are teams that people had high expectations for, but they didn't really know where it was going to go. So um, I don't know. I just don't see where the Mets fit into the playoff picture already. I, I, I do see what you're saying. Yeah.
1: I just think the Mets have done <laughs> weird things before. I mean, there was a point in last year when everybody was putting the fork in the Mets. Yeah, Cespedes was banged injured. up. He comes back. He sparks a run, and all of a sudden they're in the wildcard picture again. They, they so, need a better manager. That's all
0: it is. I think TMI Terry's is going to get fired by
1: the... TMI Terry ain't looking too hot right now, especially with the way things are being handled behind closed doors. And we talked about the thing with the Syndergaard not getting an MRI. What about after he got scratched the other day? He was getting questioned by some media... And he was in the locker room screaming at Jay Horowitz, who is the PR rep for the Mets, who's been there for years and years and years. And Syndergaard was seen yelling at him in front of the media because he didn't want to get questioned. Like, what? What do you mean you didn't want to get questioned? You're playing in New York, where you're in the biggest market in the does, world, dude. And you know, I think I always thought he was a real likable guy, no. but his intensity he takes to the wrong level
0: he's just a hard Like he thinks he's, he, he thinks like he has to show off to everyone he put, uh, what was the, the Mets beat reporter that they had on ESPN last year? Uh, they got fired. Jason Stark? No, 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 no. They had the other guy. Yeah, he got fired too. Something with an A, I forget his name. Uh, but he, he would like put him in a body bag and like, like tweet about him and like tweet pictures of him crying and stuff like that. He's just an asshole. <laughs> Syndergaard. And then, you know, like you haven't won anything yet, dude. You don't, you don't get that luxury unless you've proven that you can win anything. Well, I'm not saying it was his fault, but he didn't win the one game he had in his hands uh, of the playoffs last year. I mean, it wasn't his fault they didn't have run support, but, like, win-loss. And he's not really—he hasn't done anything in this league yet besides, you know, hurt himself because he pitches too hard.
1: Right. I mean, yeah, exactly. You see him pitch. You see him put on dominant performances. In the grand scheme of things, he hasn't achieved much yet. And that's a good point. And I think Mets fans need to realize that. Yeah. And it's, like, I've been having to swallow that pill because— as a Mets fan,
0: he's our guy. He's he's Thor. You know, I've said it before, DeGrom's your guy. DeGrom's the only guy on that staff who's just a good all-around pitcher. Yeah. He doesn't throw, he pitches. He pitches really, really well.
1: No, I agree with that, and I've always loved DeGrom. But coming into this year, no, you're right. Syndergaard was the guy. Yeah. That's undeniable. Absolutely. And it's, it's a pill Mets fans have to swallow, and obviously stubborn ones aren't going to swallow it. But when you see his actions and you see the on-field performance, the, the wins haven't been coming when he's pitching all the time. It's it's really frustrating. But you also,
0: you you want so so I I from the outside looking in, the Mets clubhouse looks shitty, right? And you want a team, and I I, I maybe I'm I'm looking into it too much, like through rose colored glasses. But with the Yankees, you have everyone seems to like each other and enjoys each other, right? And that probably just comes with winning, obviously. But when that happens, you get the run support for your players because they want to help you out. You know, if you have, that's like one of the few areas in baseball where chemistry really matters is that you want to be able to galvanize your, your teammates by – you don't want to be the one that, that fucks it all up. You know, you don't want to be the guy that uh, – today it was me that lost us the game when everyone else produced and it was my fault. So if Syndergaard goes out there he doesn't get a lot of run support, maybe the team doesn't really try that hard for him. It seems like a, a real me, me, me team – they don't really care. Like they're not teammates. You know, I mean? don't.
1: I don't like to acknowledge this point, but I'm thinking about what you're describing. I'm picturing it in my head. I'm picturing Syndergaard after pitching. You know, a really good start. Maybe he went seven or eight, gave up one or two runs, and the Mets lose by one because they couldn't score. And him in the locker room being the guy who goes, "Well, I did my job. Like, why can't you guys be better?" I
0: think that happens with Chris Sale um, in Boston. It's got
1: to be frustrating for everybody in the lineup,
0: right? Right? Because Chris- you're trying to run. You're trying to hit. You're trying to hit. Chris Sale's. Probably the best pitcher in baseball, right? He's a savage. Never gets any run support wherever he goes. Notorious asshole in, in the locker room, and everyone hates him. Goes to the Red Sox, you think he's going to get a ton of run support. Gets no run support for him. He lost a one nothing game. to. Well, I mean, ended up being a little bit more. But Tanaka got a out, duel by them. But he was also, I mean, they're... The Red Sox were facing
1: Tanaka, so he's Tanaka a really had good good like Jetsudo. a nine
0: ERA at that point. Though, in all <laughs> fairness, he hadn't had a good season up until that point. I know he's what he is, but I'm just saying. I, I think I think Syndergaard is someone the teammates don't like. I think I think they the, the Mets are just a really poorly run clubhouse, and I think that that's goes it all goes back to the root of it, and that's management in the front office. And I think you gotta, uh, Alderson's done a good job with you know getting the talent here. But they got to get someone to wrangle it all in, in with with a manager. Terry Collins was never a good manager ever. Yeah, as, as, since he's been on the Mets. No, I don't think this. I'm not a Mets fan, but from what, when I speak to Mets fans, I don't think there's one Mets fan is gonna be like, oh wow, he's a great manager. Don't. You know. I always thought
1: he was just average. You know, I always thought he was sure. average, and it's becoming more of a joke uh, with him running, making decisions. I think there needs to be a shakeup with this team when your team is struggling. And granted, we're talking about this now, kind of disregarding the fact that they just took two out of three from the Nationals. Which is something to feel pretty good about. You know, you, like no matter how you look at it, take two out of three. Even though you got smacked in game three, it only counts for one loss. Feel pretty good about that. So we're kind of disregarding that whole thing with this conversation. There needs to be a shakeup. Take Granderson out for a series. He's Put afraid. Put in, in Lagarus. Uh, bat him lead off. Put Conforto in the two hole. Maybe Cabrera will be better suited in the five, six, seven hole. And just got to shake it up. There, there's no shakeup. You're rolling out a very similar lineup, maybe with one change here, one change there, and it's not putting a spark in this team. You know and what I especially it is? with Cespedes out, perfect
0: time to mix it up, throw out some random lineups okay, out hey, there, play with and it. let's get these guys what going. You, what do you have to lose? Nothing at this he's, point. He's you know what, he's like a single dad who's afraid to for his kids to not like him, so he just lets him eat ice cream for breakfast and stuff like that. And then they, <laughs> and then, you know, what happens is they Wait. they they yeah. end up going out there and like, you know, getting into trouble because they have no Ramifications we got a bunch of fat kids Yeah That's exactly what they they are Is is that an analogy That you just made up Made up up on the spot Pretty good right
1: Yeah you said that Terry Terry Collins is like The single dad Who lets his kids Eat ice cream for breakfast
0: Yeah (laughs) I think that's pretty spot on That's
1: hilarious (laughs) Uh, Is that going to be the quote That we're going to put on Twitter That will be the quote That we put on Twitter (laughs) uh, For this episode (laughs) And our Twitter is At SportBlogNYC If you did not know that already Sports blog New York podcast. Subscribe and rate and review on iTunes and Google Play. Hopefully, you enjoyed this episode and that phenomenal analogy by one Juan Argento. Um, so, your gut, which you said before, Mets are really, really done for this
0: playoff picture, and that's just it for you. I, I, I think they'll make it interesting, but I don't think there's any way they make the playoffs or, uh, at the end of this year. Yeah, you know, they'll probably be in the hunt. They're not going to get a spot.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be. It's they're hard pressed to make a run, and that's why I think. It's, it's becoming too late quickly. It's May now, right? Let's shake it up. Let's put a spark behind this team. Can't be rolling out the same lineup that scores two runs a game. It has to get a little bit of a change up. Give us Rosario. Give us some more Lagares. a little less Granderson. Conforto needs to be in the lineup. Let's shake this thing up and let's try to get going. That's what we need. That's what I, the Mets need. I agree. And the Yankees are doing all right. Now I'll ask you this before we end up because we're just about to, about to finish for the episode. How long do you think it lasts where the Yankees are clearly the first place team? Like, when do you think we reach the point, if we reach it, that they're going to be faced head-on by the Red Sox record-wise?
0: I'm, I'm still not changing my expectations on the team. I, I, this, this is still a rebuilding year. Until, until maybe June, maybe All-Star break, whatever it is, I'm not going to change it. This is just a fun year where we're playing around with the lineups, seeing what works, seeing how, see what guys step up in, in the year. Maybe Greg Bird really is terrible and can't be a, you know, a major leaguer. We, we can reassess at the end of the year. I'm not saying this is a playoff team yet. It might be. I'd be really happy if it was. Um, it could be like how the Cubs were when they reached it a little bit earlier than they expected. But right now I'm thinking let's just take this month game by game, you know, Cliche uh, saying, but let's just see. Enjoy the bride and like not change our expectations. I guess. Let's hope there's not
1: Yankee fans who just heard you say that and go, "This guy's a Yankees fan. Why doesn't he think we're better?" Like, you are doing a great job of tempering expectations and coming from a Mets fan who knows what it's like to lose all the time. You are doing this right because you know, you hear the saying of, you know, you should expect this. Everything else is cake, or everything yeah. else is like extra. That's what the season is. Yeah. You know, if you guys play 500 ball, everything plus like above that. It's right. phenomenal, kind of unexpected, and a great reason to be happy. That's what I'm saying. But if it doesn't happen, you're still building, and
0: you weren't supposed to be that good this year. So, good job. Kudos to you for being a good Yankees fan. Thank you. I, the one thing I will say, though, is um, Blue Jays are trash. Uh, I said that going into the season, and I'm happy because they're the least likable team in baseball, although Pete disagrees with me. Um, the Red Sox have no hitting, but that'll change. Uh, and the blue the Orioles are a very similar team to the Yankees. In the fact that they have they have pitching that could be pretty good or horrible. And right now, it's horrible, and the Yankees is pretty good. This division can go any way. It would not be surprised if anything happens except for the Blue Jays winning it because that won't happen because they suck. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think I, I think you should just enjoy the AL East this year. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Whoever it comes out of it, um, and. Three of the four teams in it are very likable. I don't know. I can't really you know nobody on the on the Yankees, Orioles, or Red Sox are really that unlikable at all. You can root for them out, from an outside perspective, I would think. Um, but yeah, that's it. Good stuff. Alright, hopefully you guys enjoyed
1: the episode. Stay tuned this week for the SBNY NFL Draft Recap Podcast, which will be coming on um, either Tuesday or Wednesday. But keep up keep up with SportblogNYC NYC on Twitter for that. And uh, that's all we got today. What's up? Well, man? I
0: have one. I have one more quick. hit. I, I just wanted to say. It seems that the uh, uh, the uh, Steelers have a new heir apparent. Uh, I'm sorry, hair apparent in, uh, in in to ben That's it. I uh, I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> just go. Just Let them figure there. It out. Yeah.
1: I'll figure it out with you guys. But hopefully you enjoyed
0: the show. I'm Peter Kennedy. Alec Argento. Hope you enjoyed. Have a good one.